ascended Lord, Lord of lords and King of kings, Lord who is in all and who fills all. Thank you for your nearness to us today. Would you speak to us this morning and illuminate our hearts and minds by the power of your spirit? Would you use our simple, feeble words and speak to us that we might know you and see you for who you are? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. I'm Jana. I'm one of the priests here at Incarnation. I want to welcome you, especially if you're joining us for the first time. We're glad that you're here this morning. Happy Feast of the Ascension. Several years ago, one of my daughters was in kindergarten, and we were driving home from school, and I heard her mutter with exasperation from the back seat. I can't wait until I'm old so I can be the boss. <laughs> Some of us here this morning identify with that statement. I certainly do. And this is the question that we come to this morning on the Feast of the Ascension. Who is the boss? Who has the power? And I'm going to guess that most of us here this morning don't spend a lot of time thinking about the ascension. There are no greeting cards on the ascension. There's no section in Target on decorations for the ascension. But our gospel and Acts reading this morning recount for us a pivotal moment in the story of our redemption. After Jesus' death and resurrection, he presented himself to his followers for a period of 40 days, speaking to them about the kingdom of God. And we have recalled some of those encounters over the last several Sundays during Eastertide. And during that time, he reminded them he's the fulfillment of what they have been waiting for. And they are the ones who bear witness to his death and resurrection. And then he says, wait, wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the spirit of truth. And Luke's gospel de describes the coming of the spirit as being clothed with power from on high. More on that next week on Pentecost Sunday. The Holy Spirit is coming so that they would be able to live as the body of Jesus in the world, so that they would have the power to be little Christ, as C.S. Lewis says, bearing witness to the risen Lord in their own lives that wherever they go, Jesus would be going. And whoever they encounter, people might see Jesus in them. And then Jesus, as he told them he would, he withdrew from them. Or as Acts tells us, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And today we celebrate this moment, this ascension of Jesus, the moment he was taken up 
into heaven, and we actually recall this moment every single week when we confess our faith together in the words of the Nicene Creed. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hands of the Father, and he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. Now, almost everything that's happened to Jesus up until this point, we can kind of make sense of in, our own, in terms of our own lives. Like Jesus was born to a human mother, so were we. He ate and drank and slept, so do we. He wept, us too. He died, we will die too. He rose from the dead. Now this one is a bit of a stretch. But even you and I know something about being hopeless and having some resurrection moment, some hope in the face of hopelessness. Even we can kind of glimpse into that in terms of our own lives. But ascending into heaven and being seated at the right hand of God, this is where it starts to feel abstract. Something that seems to have very little to do with our daily lives. This is where we are left with the disciples standing on the ground, looking up at the clouds, wondering, where did our Lord go? And just when we thought this Jesus story couldn't get any more sci-fi, it does in this moment. Where exactly did he go? And Luke tells us he went to heaven, which may not be exactly up as much as it is beyond. And he went there to finish the work that he had started with us. Jesus ascends to the right hand of God as a king ascends a throne. Jesus resumes all power and authority that he relinquished when he humbled himself in the incarnation, when he took on human form in the body of Mary. This story of redemption is a four-part act, incarnation, crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension, and all four of these parts are necessary for a coherent story without the ascension we have a resurrected Lord who has not yet resumed his place as Lord of all, who has not yet filled all in all. Here at the ascension, he returns to resume his place as king of the whole cosmos. This is an important moment, friends. And this word ascend has a little bit of a double meaning. Like we can ascend a staircase, which is like to move from one place to another place. And one can ascend a throne, which is certainly spatial, but also can mean something more. When a person ascends a throne to become king, it describes a change in relationship to everything else around to the people he knows and the country that surrounds him. And this is what is happening here. It's not space travel 
where Jesus isn't, he's not going into outer space. It's not like we're on floor one and Jesus is up in the attic. It's more like a playwright and the characters in the play and they can only understand what's happening with the author if the author writes himself into the story. And this is what God did, he wrote himself into the story and in this moment he's naming for us that he is the author of the story and the perfecter of our faith. And so the ascension is describing the objective relationship that Jesus has to the cosmos, that he is the head of all things and all things have come from him. But there's a catch that I wanna point out this morning. He returns to the Father with a body, a transformed, resurrected body, but a body nonetheless, a body that will not die or decay. Something that Jesus did not have before the incarnation. In the incarnation, God came to us taking on our body, but that was just our Christmas gift. In the ascension, Jesus imports a human body to the holy heavenly place for the first time. He made a way for us. This is a radically body positive act that for the first time, in this heavenly place, in the ascension, Jesus restores the goodness of creation, our creation in particular. By ascending bodily into heaven, he showed us that flesh and blood are good, not bad, and they are good enough for Jesus, and they are good enough for heaven. And so next time you look in the mirror, and flow between self-hatred and vanity, I want you to think about the ascension. By putting on a body and keeping it on, Jesus has not only brought God to us, but he has brought us to God. And today we celebrate that we have been made partakers in paradise and that our lowly human nature was carried up with Christ to God. The ascension is the climax of our redemption. The chasm between us and God is eliminated. It is done. The way to God has been absolutely and totally and completely made in Jesus Christ. While Luke and Acts describe to us what happened Paul's letter to the Ephesians tells us further like what it means and why in fact it matters. Paul's letter says that Christ is seated at God's right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. And his name is above every name that is named and that will ever be named. And all things are under his feet and he is the head of all things. Now, I just wanna name here, you and I don't necessarily derive a lot of comfort 
from the language of power. And who has the power? Our cultural and political imaginations have been formed in such a way to think about power as bad, power misused. And we're not wrong about that, right? Like, who could have so much power and always have our best interest in mind? People in our lives have shown us that that is not true. People in authority over us, parents and teachers and bosses and pastors and presidents have repeatedly showed us over and over that really at the end of the day, their interests come before our own interest. But Jesus has demonstrated quite the opposite in really the most extreme way that Jesus is so committed to our interest that he took on our body and that he kept it on as he rules and reigns at the right hand of God. Jesus is king over all. This is an objective reality, but he is a king that we can trust, a king that we can surrender to and know that our lives are actually in good hands. He is the incarnate king. He is the crucified king. He is the one who has gone through such extreme measures to be near to us and to make a way for us. Now, no one standing around that ascension day could have guessed what an astounding thing had happened in that moment. On the surface, it really wasn't a great moment, like a group of abandoned disciples with nothing to show for all that time they spent following Jesus. But in the days and weeks and years to come, it would become very clear what had happened to them. And they stood there with a promise of power and a prayer of blessing, and this small handful of people consented to becoming the church, and nothing was ever the same again. Notice the end of the story of Luke. What did they do when he ascended? Were they despondent? No, they were filled with great joy, blessing God. And these followers became leaders, and these listeners became preachers, and these converts became missionaries, and these who had been healed became healers. And these disciples became apostles, witnesses of the risen Lord by the power of the Spirit. And nothing was ever the same again. And it's not the way they would have planned it. It's not the way that they would have wanted it if they had their own way to let Jesus go. But that's not how it happened. He went away. He was taken away. And they stood looking there up towards heaven. And then they stopped looking up and got on about their business of being the church. They got on with living as the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. And once they started to do that, surprising things began to happen. And they started to say things that sounded like him. And they started to do things they had only seen him do. And whenever two or three of them were gathered around, it was as if he was near to them, the strong abiding presence of the ascended one, 
as available to them as bread and wine, as familiar to them as each other's faces. It was as if he had not ascended but exploded and everything that was concentrated in him what filled all things. And this is the story of Acts, like this explosion in Jerusalem and this ripple effect throughout Samaria and throughout the ends of the earth. And this is the story we find ourselves in this morning. And we see this at the end of our Ephesians text. He has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The church is the fullness of Christ who fills all things. Yesterday morning, we got a call from one of our sister churches in San Diego that a group of refugees at the border were flying to Atlanta and if we could meet them. And so someone from our congregation went to the airport, another person offered a van, and we welcomed into our home dear, dear brothers created in God's very image and offered a bed and a meal. Friends, Jesus has sent us, you and I, to places that he wants his body to be. To offer a ride from the airport on behalf of the ascended Lord. To loan a van on behalf of the ascended Lord. To offer food and a bed on behalf of the ascended Lord. This is the story that we have been caught up in. And if you have not been caught up in this story, this is the story you are invited into. We are the body of Christ. This is the place that Jesus has sent us. Our schools and our neighborhoods and our workplaces, these are the places that Jesus wants to be. These are the places Jesus wants to live in. We are his body. These are the places where we bring peace and justice and love. May we be reminded this day and this week that Jesus is king and that this is good news, that he has the power to make the world right and good and just and that he calls us to be his body his hands and his feet and sends us out to all the places he intends his body to be. So may we be expectant for the spirit at Pentecost to give us the courage, the strength, and the boldness to follow the king who took on our life so that we might take on his. Amen.